Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Cinema Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill. Uh, Jamie is on assignment finding that all well, the cool kids are dancing to these days, but also with me is Iris. Hey, hey, how's it going, folks? Fine, fine. How are you, Iris? Oh, just hanging out and being groovy. <laughs> Great. Uh, Suzanne's here. How you doing, girl? Uh, greetings from snowy Chicago. What, it's April snow showers bring May flowers now? Well, I think April snow showers brings uh, rising produce cost and, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> higher gas prices because we bombing folks and stuff. And, you know, that, that's got nothing to do with it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big bummer. <laughs> <laughs> that's got nothing to do with it, though. But I'm going to get away from that nasty, nasty stuff. And I'm going to ask Suzanne what she's been watching. Oh my god, um, hold on. I, I watched Burial Ground again. I don't know why for the past month. I, 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 like, I just want some something in the background. Oh, Burial Ground. So apparently I just cannot get enough of that nipple munchin munchkin. I just can't. <laughs> nipple munchin munchkin. I just, there, it's got some, the effects are not perfect, but damn it, it's fun. And I just actually five minutes ago finished watching Cigarette Burns for about yeah, probably the 20, 21st, 22nd time. It's a good one. I think that is the best representation of Masters of Horror. I just really don't think it gets much better than that. But you don't like that ice cream for ice cream one where they have the clown that turns to, to goo or something? Or, you know. Uh, no, I really didn't. <laughs> And I really, I wanted to be on board with the damned thing because it was one of my favorite Ambrose Beer stories. I don't understand why they had to change the timeline. That just, it, it would not have taken much to keep the timeline as is. And they made it, did I enjoy it? Yes. But they just, the, the, the timeline thing, it's like one of the things about reanimator that's always in the back of my head is they the timeline they could have done and it would not i i think they spent way more making it modern than actually doing it around world war one suzanne adaptation okay adaptation say it with me adaptation <gasps> oh my god am i ranting <laughs> <laughs> i'm ranting i am say it with me Ad- uh-huh. adaptation okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Add at fucked it up, station, right? I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> that's how you, um, that's how you feel. <laughs> oh, geez. Let's see what else. Hold on. Let me let me just double check my list because I lose track real easily. Oh, the three wonderful films we watched. I we did Doghouse, which was my birthday movie on the NFW. I missed it, unfortunately. British, British zombies, British female zombies. It, Brilliant movie, fun as hell. Nobody hated it. I was really surprised. Usually, if I pick the movie, it will be hated on principle. Is it is it an Italian picture? Because they don't like those too much on that show. It's British, okay. but there's lots of gore and well, zombie women, and there's just much love to be had. And I mean, it's honestly been kind of a dead week. I watched. I finally got around to watching The Perfect Host with David Hyde Pierce. What'd you think? That was a really fucked up little flick. 
I love it. <laughs> I could not believe David Hyde Pierce playing that role. Oh, it's just, but it's so perfect, though, to go from oh, little mousy man to complete sociopath. It's great. Oh, it was. I, I mean, and it's always the quiet ones. Like, <laughs> oh, God, I, I loved it. And I also dipped into a little James Bond yesterday and caught Skyfall on BBC America, which I, I really like Skyfall. I'm not a fan of blonde, James Blonde. But that movie is just really, the story is interesting. I was so looking forward to Spectre, and it was such a disappointment to me. But Skyfall was just a blast. I still cheer when I see the car. Because that is just a pretty little Aston Martin. I would look so hot driving that. (laughs) But yeah, that's pretty much about what I've been kind of up to. It's been kind of a dull week. Gotcha. Iris, lay on us. Well, let's see. Of course, our three movies. And then I did a rewatch of um, 1972's because, you know, it's a fun movie. You don't know how much love I have for that movie. It's a fun movie, isn't it? I I mean, I just love watching Mr. A-Team going from, you know, really cool dude to uh, I'm going to bite you because you're picking on the girl. (laughs) I love it when the guy, the guy goes, did, did you just bite me? <laughs> oh, I was uh, the, uh, watching it. I bought the Blu-ray from Shout Factory. and How one of the that? I needed a towel. <laughs> well, but I guess I'll be checking this, that one out. This interview with uh, Face, and he's like, you know, if you ever want to talk about the movie and you see me, buy me a cigar. Like, Motherfucker, if I ever see you, I'm going to go, like, clear out, like, 15 different types and let you pick. And I own your ass for the rest of the night. There you go. Yeah, and we'll watch that one. And I was very surprised by another movie was Mulberry Street. Very, very surprised by that one. That is the rat zombies. There's, like, a virus going around in New York. And it's basically Day of the Dead, um, but with rats in a... And it's the people are in an apartment. It's very interesting. Um, the ending kind of like tugged at my heartstrings. I was like, oh, fuck. Well, that's shit. Um, but yeah. In, well, uh, the is actually really good. Yeah, that one. And of course, I had to throw in a little bit of black exploitation in there. Three the hard way. Got to watch my movies, you know. Oh, absolutely. That's about it, that's about it for me. Oh, me, myself. Um, I guess the big highlight of, of my stuff is I watched about three or four episodes of, I forget how many, of The New Lost in Space on Netflix. And uh, if you, you got to like sci-fi for one thing. So if you're not into sci-fi, you might not like it. But um, the, young, the young cast, I think, uh, with the exception of Parker Posey as Dr. Smith, which, I, I, which is everything I expected and more... She's devious, she's mean, she's all, all over the place in that show, and it's, it's kind of wonderful. The young cast is pretty good. Usually it's, it's hard to cast young people that, that you like, and uh, they're pretty good in that show. They're better than most of the adults. Um, robots got a lot of new tricks and stuff, and I'm really enjoying Ooh. that. And 
It's not all dancing around. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, Danger, Will Robinson. You know, you, you'll get that on the show because that's the titular, you know, catchphrase of Lost in Space is Danger, Will Robinson, but he's not dancing around like an idiot. He's actually doing stuff. So if you like your robot doing stuff, he's doing pretty good stuff on this show. And uh, it's pretty great so far. Uh, I finished Weeds, and I realize now why I didn't finish Weeds, because those last two seasons are pretty shitty. And that kind of makes me sad that when you got a good show like that that you, you enjoy, that it, take, it, it does that thing in the last season where they say, let's write all these characters that we wrote off back into the, to the story again and go ahead like four years later. And that's really stupid. And... There's, like, no... Usually within those seasons, they have, like, you know... Nancy has some kind of conflict with some kind of random drug dealer or, or something or whatever. This one, there's, like, no conflict. The conflict is within the family, and it's really boring. And I didn't like it, so... It ended kind of crappy. Um, I watched Children of the Corn 5 and 6, because I was on a bender, and, uh... <laughs> Those are, don't, again, they're sequels that don't suck. And I think they need another shot uh, to, to uh, for folks to check them out. Um, what else? It's hard for me to remember everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> iTunes had a sale. And I pieced together two out of the three of the Wes, Wes Anderson films that I was missing. So I watched Rushmore and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. And I don't need to talk about those films because they're, they're both awesome and if you don't love Wes Anderson like I do, you're still my friend, but I think a little less of you. Because I think as far as consistency as a filmmaker goes, I think he's one of my favorite consistent filmmakers that there is, with the exception of the, the, the Darjeeling Limited, which I don't really care for, but I may need to watch it again to, to maybe change my mind slightly about it, because I've had that happen before where I would rewatch something, and maybe I seen something there that I didn't see before that made me enjoy it slightly more. It didn't work with Inside Lewin Davis, unfortunately for the Coen Brothers, but that movie's pretty stupid. And I I tried to watch that several times, and I hated everybody. There was not an endearing quality about it. So I decided to uh, save some time and just say no. But I love A Life Aquatic because my favorite thing in the movie is the dude on the hill singing David Bowie in Portuguese. Say you, George, is the guy's name. Yeah, I love that too. I, I, I'm sorry, but that is the thing in that movie that is burned into my brain. Well, look, look on Spotify. He's got whole albums on there, and they're actually pretty great. Just to, But I just to want that one. I'm just saying. He does other stuff too. It's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if he's my favorite person ever done Bowie. That that probably goes to Bowie or um, Leia Delaria from Orange is the New Black does Bowie. She sings and is pretty great. No, but he was singing it in Portuguese. I know this, and that just and, and that just that just made it kind of hot. But this this is Big Boo, and I know she's a lesbian and everything, but she still kind of turns me on, and you know that that's a uh, I'm, I'm okay with that, you know. Well, you and every awesome. other guy. Well, I, 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 I love Boo. I, I can look at Boo. I can't have Boo. I'm, I'm aware of that, okay? You know? I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I'm kind of jealous at that point, but whatever. That, that's one thing. Um, 
Yeah, besides that, not a whole lot more. There, there's other stuff, I'm sure, burning in my brain, but I'm still behind on stuff. But, um, move on to our next segment, which is the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't know the fries. Beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? I'll ask Suzanne first. What's your beef girl? And actually, my car is fixed and back to being 100% legal again. I really can't bitch about that. I'm really pissed off at a few of my friends that blew me off on my birthday. There you go. And I'm... Okay, if you hurt my feelings, you would be better off punching me in the face than hurting my feelings. I will get over a shiner if you hurt my feelings then there's a good chance that um, there's irreparable damage there. I wasn't there when I called and, you. I, I, I couldn't be there. Oh, you yeah, did? I couldn't be there. <laughs> oh, I know. But, I mean, you made the effort. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like I said, my feelings are hurt. I'm over it. I'm just not, let's just say my feelings have changed now. And that's never a good thing. And that's the only thing I'm just... And it's not that I'm really pissed about it. I'm just really disappointed. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you don't need friends like that sometimes. And I, I've had friends like that where just they just got smug for no reason. It, it's, it's, it's like that, that, that transition from, from grade school to middle school. They're, they're all too cool for you at that point. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, you know, friends like these. Yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> I am the coolest. But we all know You are this. very cool, yes, indeed. I, I agree. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'm thankful that my car is fixed, and I'm pissed off at a couple of people for being inconsiderate shitheads, or sorry, uh, uh, douche nozzles. That 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 kind of sums up a little. I was trying to come up with the nastiest thing I could, and that's the the best I could do. Well, you you did it well. Thank you, Iris. Post post hepatitis <laughs> inserted douche nozzle. There you go. That makes it work. Oh yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Think about that, guys. Yeah, <clears throat> Iris. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to need antibiotics now. <laughs> <laughs> Iris, what you be for that girl? Oh, there's freaking rain. I'm so tired of it. I know I live in Seattle. Yes, I am in the Pacific Northwest. I understand that. I, I I'm going to get rain, but this is fucking ridiculous i know you all have snow and that is your equivalent of my rain and i am just tired of the rain i'm so tired of it already oh, oh, this, i want some sun at this point we're getting everything all at once which is lovely you know because the rain comes and the snow comes and it freezes up and then you know it's always a good time it was like what 70 degrees thursday and within two hours it dropped down to 30 Holy crap, what the hell is going on up there? Mother Nature's done gone off her meds. Somebody's experimenting up there, or you've got some hedge witch or hedge wizard that's fucking with the weather and screwing shit up everywhere. It's Faye Faye Dunaway from Supergirl. It's what it is. You know, she's... See, there you go. Well, you gotta give Trump credit. He did end global warming. No, this is true. He did. He did end it because it didn't exist, he says. All right. So anyway, <laughs> that is the joke of the week. 
But yeah, no, I, I, I have so many things I need to do in my backyard and in my yard and uh, I just can't do them because it's just constantly raining and this wind sucks. So yeah, that's my beef. Mother Nature. Mother Nature. Um, yeah, somebody, I think Mother Nature needs to get laid. <laughs> or back on her meds, one of the two. Or she's gone off her meds and needs to get laid. Oh man! Yeah, well, that's even worse. What's yeah? What's my beef? Uh, my beef is the inability to get out of the house. That that's a uh, that's my major beef, I guess. Because we lived in Illinois, I lived a block away from the bus that would take me into the city, so I, I would have the opportunity to just get on the bus and just go, you know, go where I wanted to go. And, you know, now that we're here in a uh, lo- lovely Hammond, Indiana, it's just. The public transportation is not as accessible where I'm at, and I can't just go where I want to go because I have no driver's license. Uh, full disclosure. I, I, you need to fix that. I've never got one. I need to get one right away. Then I'll be I'll be going everywhere. Let's put it that way. And um, what else? That's that's pretty much it, man. My my ability to my my frustration not to be able to get out of the house, and that's a uh, that's annoying, and especially when you're alone with your thoughts and thinking bad things about people you just want to like bust out Kevin Bacon style and go go dance in a warehouse or something and uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice I couldn't do all that tumbling though but I, I could I could like break stuff and uh that'd be I, I'm more of equivalent to, to Danny McBride and, and Hot Rod I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day you know speak the shit out of people that, that's fine but <laughs> But I'm, you know, I have to admit, to get myself out of the really horrible mood I was in with my car, I was listening to a lot of Kenny Loggins. Please don't judge me too harshly. Was was it was it over the top? Oh yes, uh, we, we did listen to some Meet Me Halfway. Oh yeah. Um, Heaven helps the boy. Uh, yeah, there is. That is that this, is the superior song. The Heaven helps the man. The I'm free song from Footloose. Yeah, I know, but for some reason I put that on repeat for two hours. Oh yeah. Whoa. That's like that afternoon delight scene. The piece kind of felt better. Yeah. But I also wanted to shove ice picks in my ears at the same it's time. Like, I'm free, but I'm still <laughs> in the house, and uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of bullshit, Kenny Loggins. You know. Oh, by the way, I did watch Over the Top. I forgot to mention that. I'm gonna I'm gonna Jamie Salmon's that one in there real fast because. I have plans for a show for that one too, for another Father's Day episode. So you gotta build these these episodes up so we have something to do every year, and that can be good. But um, I'm sorry, I, um, yeah, that's it for my beef. I, I have nothing really to be angry about. It's just frustration. Getting getting up at two a.m. Uh, not being able to go anywhere. Something gonna get you. But I plan on uh, fighting tooth and nail to go see Super Troopers two this week because that comes out, and I really want to see that. And, Yes, I'll be going to that. <laughs> um, yeah, the premise of the show is, like I said, Jamie couldn't be here. Hopefully, she, maybe she'll record something for us, and I'll put it on the show. I make no promises because you know people get busy. But um, this is a real, real combination of some, but they all connect in a super special way. They're all about somebody building something that all the people want to come to, whether you're a Greek muse or or you're a zombie or you're just a dead baseball player or another guy looking for his for you know some closure if you will 
and make us all make us all possibly weep in the end. I, I won't reveal until we do the review for that one. But the we'll do it in the order we're gonna do them in. Uh, Land of the Dead, Field of Dreams, and Xanadu. And we're getting to Land of the Dead right after this. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. Please consider us your high priest and priestess of satanic cinema. Join us on our podcast, Kiss the Goat, which will drag your soul through some of the finest and worst devil movies of the last 50 years. Devils and demons, exorcisms and possessions, cults and rituals, dogs and cats living together. Is that a devil movie? Maybe. Sort of. I don't know, babe. We'll talk about it later. Join us on the Horrorphilia Podcast Network every other week as we don our hoods and cloaks and kiss, kiss the, the goat. It's a hell of a good time. I knew you were going to say that. Of course you did. It's in the script. The world as we know it. They must be destroyed. Is no more. Cities are under siege. The land of the living has become. Feeding on human flesh. The land of the dead. If these creatures ever develop the power to think, to reason, we're all dead. In one last outpost. It was my ingenuity that took an old world and made it into something new. We have survived. Rivers protect us on two sides. I put up the fences to make it safe. And these fences go all the way across? Both ways. But if the living can adapt... Things are changing. These guys are not just walking. So can the dead. It's like they're pretending to be alive. They're mindless walking corpses. They'll never get across the river. There's nothing there, man. They're communicating. They're thinking. We're going back to see if we can help. Trouble. In a world where the dead are returning to life, the word trouble loses much of its meaning. We're running out of time. George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. Zombies, man. They creep me out. Land of the Dead from 2005. Your cheapo plot synopsis is this. The living dead have taken over the world, and the last humans live in a walled city to protect themselves as they come to grips with the situation. Kind of weak sauce there, IMDb. But, um... What do you call it here? Stupid messages. Uh, it's written and directed by one George A. Romero. Uh, it stars what we're called not Nathan Fillion, but I thought was, I was watching Nathan Fillion the whole time, but apparently it wasn't. Simon Baker as Riley, John Leguizamo as Cholo, Dennis Hopper as Coffin, Aja, Aja, Scusi, Scusi, Argento as Stack. Shut up, Gary. <laughs> Slack. <laughs> Oh, Robert Joy as Charlie, probably one of my favorite characters of the whole film. Uh, Eugene Clark as Big Daddy. Uh, who else we got in here? Joanne Bowen as Pretty Boy. That's a female, by the way. 
And, uh, ooh, Tony Napa was Foxy. That was a pretty cool character, too. And there's other great cameos that I'm sure we'll get into l later on. Oh, the fat guy's name was Pillsbury. I forgot about that. God damn it. <laughs> That's cute. When I saw when I saw him walk in, I was like, Doughboy. It <laughs> uh, was kind of cute. I'll kick it to Iris first. Uh, what did you think of Land of the Dead Girl? Uh, and this is this, this was fun, and not one of my favorite Romero ones, but I do enjoy it. Be and all because of John Leguizamo, because I anything with him in it, I really, really like and have fun with. <clears throat> but what I like about this one is um, how the dead are starting to like uh, Simon or or like Riley Denbo says they're starting to mimic the living, and um, they're trying to do things the way they used to do when they're starting to work as a team and coalesce and communicate with each other. So there is a, a nice little tie to um, Day of the Dead where, um, you know, the scientist is trying to figure out what's going on with these guys and trying to train them and do things. So there is this I don't know, like maybe a past recollection of, of, of what they used to be and what they used to do. Especially for the uh, <laughs> the, gas, the, the gas station attendant at the very end at Dennis Hopper's car. I love that. Um, but um, And I really enjoyed Cholo's, um, Cholo as a character, too. Lots of fun. He's, you know, the typical guy that's like, hey, you know, <laughs> I rubbed your back. Your turn to rub mine. And if you're not going to do it, well, then I'm going to kill you. So that was that was a good rewatch for me. I totally enjoyed it. And the, the, the core in it isn't too bad. Um, I think it's a little um, muted for a George Romero movie. I've seen a lot worse and a lot more. Uh, but um, it's still fun to watch. And like you said, there's a lot of characters. And Dennis Hopper plays such a good asshole. Oh, my God. I love Dennis Hopper when he's playing an asshole. But besides that, uh, you know, it, it's fun. And, and then, you know, there's these great characters. Like you said, Pillsbury, the, the, the fat, chunky guy, the little doughboy. I love that. So, um, yeah, lots of fun on that one. I'm really surprised Pillsbury lasted as long as he did, you know. Uh, me too. Oh, he had to. That, that's the constant joke, like, with the fat guy surviving a zombie apocalypse. Probably not, because they're really fat and slow, and, you know. <laughs> Cardio. Rule no number one. <laughs> yes. But, you know, and it's always fun to see Tom Savini come back in his movies, too, you know. The machete zombie. Yeah, you find out what his fate was, and Greg, Greg Nicotero shows up in here as, as a zombie, because he shows up in Day of the Dead, and, uh... Mm -hmm. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yes, they yep. show up as well. They Proto are the zombies, zombies you can have your picture taken with. Because mm -hmm. George was a fan of Shaun of the Dead. That's why they showed up. Oh, it's one of the only... It's accepted into the dead canon. Nice. But yeah, great movie. Uh, Suzanne. It's, once again, I'm, I'm going to kind of echo Iris a little bit. It's not my favorite. And it's, I don't really think that the gore was muted. I think they went just a little too overboard. Because the one thing you can count on in the zombie movies is one, you know, gut-wrenching intestine-ripping scene. And there were, what, four or five in this one? Well, and yeah. they just, 
it, it just seemed to lack the impact that, you know, the one from Dawn of the Dead had, the one from Day of the Dead. But like I said, I just, they, they just went so overboard with it. Was it fun? Oh, absolutely. I just, I, I never have been a fan of Simon Baker. I, I just, I, he's just, he's a throwaway for me. I just find his general demeanor to be boring, which I think is why I find parts of this movie boring. When it's just him and when, when he's leading the scene, I just, I nod off because there's just something so wonderbred about him that I can't stand it. John Leguizamo was just, I, I loved him. I bought him completely. I was so mad when he got bitten because I really wanted to see him shove it right up Dennis Hopper's ass. And Dennis Hopper, <clears throat> excuse me, allergies are killing me, was just, 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 an, just a fucking rich asshole. He didn't build anything. He just took it over. And you know what? Uh, I appreciate him for doing that. I loved the fact that he, George Romero evolved the zombies. You know, that was one thing that always stood out. And this, I haven't watched this movie since the day that I bought it. So it had been sitting on my shelf since what? What year was it? 2008, 2009? Right around there, probably. Yeah, but I have not watched the movie since I bought it. And I really enjoyed kicking back and watching it. And one of the extras on my DVD, there is, I can't remember what the score is, but it's like they cut together all of the gore scenes to this this classical music score. And it's absolutely hilarious. So if you can get your hands on a cheap copy of it, do it. You know, it's still, like I said, it's still a great Romero film. But Simon Baker is just a throwaway for me. I thought Aja was completely wasted in this movie. It was, I love Pillsbury and Cholo. You could have had any other people in those other roles. And I don't think it would have made that, it would have made a, probably a bigger difference for me. But yeah, Pillsbury and Cholo were the ones that I just enjoyed. I loved it when he punched that chick in the face. Yeah, I started laughing and I could not stop that we're going to do this. He just, 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 just right across, right across the jaw. I kept right. waiting for her to get eaten when she was passed out in the car, but that didn't happen. Didn't happen too much longer afterward, but yeah, Pillsbury was pretty much awesome. But yeah, it was, I, it was a fun rewatch for me. And like I said, I dug through those special features again. So yeah, I really liked it again, other than those 10, 15 things I pointed out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, was, I, I haven't looked at this film in a long, long time either, because either I, I, I thought I was just okay, or I just haven't, just haven't gotten around to watching it again. But I think I uh, this time around, I think I've enjoyed it a lot more as an experience than any other time because you catch a lot more stuff when you're watching it with a critical eye and you know the the whole idea that these people that are living on the outside looking in have built this 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 palace of decadence for these fucking rich assholes and them getting their comeuppance if you will by these zombie the zombie horde which them, them that scene where they're coming out of the water i know it's it's mimicked from other films but this this stock waves. Yeah, shockwaves, and they said carnival Apocalypse of souls. Apocalypse now. Yeah, 
But this this looks the coolest out of all those things, I think. Them the fact that they, they, they you know, they don't need lungs obviously, so they can just walk across this water and go to where they wanna go. But when they, they break into the green Fiddler's Green, which is like this big the big complex where all the rich folks live, there there's the part where <laughs> The zombie bites the girl's piercing out, which I think is pretty profound. It's like, the, oh, like that's good. He's robbing her, but not robbing her. It's like, let's let's start with the belly button, you know, where this 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 silver piece is, you know, just so I can say, hey, this is mine now. Just like your your complex is mine now, and of course, uh, Dennis Hopper running away with the money with his black manservant was, you know, it's, th- there's little political stuff in here because George it's, it's George Romero, so you got to throw some political stuff in there. The fact that he has a black manservant carrying his bags, you know, trying to get away from the zombie apocalypse is like, yeah, that's totally Dennis Hopper, rich asshole in this movie. Um, Liguizamo is, is great as Cholo, uh, um, stealing the Dead Reckoning. Let's get going on the Dead Reckoning thing. People talk about how, you know, oh, they fired so many bullets and they ever reload. Did the Dead Reckoning ever stop for gas? Because that thing must get like four miles to the gallon. And they were driving that goddamn thing everywhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and the only gas I saw was in the underground garage of yes. Fiddler's Grange. And they would never, never got in there, which is, you know, whatever. But it's a real small thing, but that thing is like a big old gun-toting RV. Like if the A-team had a budget and they want to build a big old, <laughs> a big old funky gun-toting RV, they would build Dead Reckoning. I think it's a pretty badass vehicle. Um, I mentioned Charlie earlier, which you could... You, I, I forget if it's mentioned what his horrible accident is, but he's burnt on one side of his face. I just think he's a dynamite character. He's the best shot of the group because he only needs one eye to shoot and... They've mentioned, oh, this this thing gets fourteen rounds per 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 second. Like I don't need all that, you know. He's, he's he's a lot more precise than that, and I really enjoy that. And although you can only see out of one side of his face, so he needs the his his buddy Riley to to look out for him on the other side. So they actually make a nice combo if that means anything to you guys. And oh yeah, it's like the yin to his like the yin to his yang. You know, he he's looking out for him, but he's looking out for him too. Well, Robert Joy is one of those actors that I, I every time I see him, I, I actually finally committed his name to memory. He just shows up in random things. And for years, I was like, oh, my God, I know that guy. He, I saw him in something, and it's just one of those vague faces that's just there. Yeah. I mean, this film is filled with great practical effects, and this is about 2005. Yeah, it's 2005. So this would be the time where you could have just threw a whole bunch of CG headshots in there and garbage, which this film had a little bit of that. And I, one thing I really can't forgive is in the beginning where you you do see some CG zombie action and yeah, it just that kind of sucked. I don't think you should open your film like that if you're George Romero. Just it's so blatantly obvious CG zombie. So that's 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 a real big thing, but a real small thing to to an already great film. That I, I happen to enjoy quite a bit, way more than I was expecting on a rewatch. But um, oh by the way, Liguizamo is going to be in Indianapolis for Days of the Dead, so that that, that could be a thing if I my friend goes or, or Suzanne wants to go. I know Gene Simmons is going to be but there. So I don't know what to. I'll, I'll I am off. so over Gene Simmons. I know, but my friends are my friend Lee's a big fan, so they might go where he goes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> totally understand. Um. Yeah, I just talked about his one-man shows and how good House of Buggin' was back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, and how much I love the movie Chef. I watched the movie Chef a good ten times by now, and... That was a good movie. Makes makes you want a grilled cheese sandwich real bad, you know? It's just... Oh, delicious. yes, it does. <laughs> um... But this movie, yes, it's good. It's it's a nice follow up to the to those to the original Dead series. I wouldn't call it, you know, canon with the Dead series, although it is. But if I had to rank them uh, amongst the other ones, I don't think I'd rank it with the other ones. If that means anything, because it's kind of hard for me. Um, as the other ones go, I'd say it's 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 day dawn and night last. If you throw the night remake in there, the night remake would probably be second in that ranking because I think it's better than the original um but yeah good time R- really good time and I, again way more than I was expecting to like it on a rewatch and um I'll kick it to Iris and ask her does she want to say anything else about it and what's her rating 1 to 10 um <clears throat> let's see I think what I would any oh, just the last thing I would say about this is um if you're looking for you know more of the Night of the Living Dead this is not the movie for you to watch if you just want to watch all of the dead movies that George Romero has put together, go ahead, have some fun with this. It is it is fun to watch. Um, don't expect too much, but at least you have a you know the zombies that you've grown to to love. Um, I'm gonna give this one a seven. Cool, uh, Suzanne. I. I, I, I don't know if I would take it completely out of the running. And I will say this in defense of Night of the Living Dead. It is the gold standard for zombies. It's not my favorite zombie movie that belongs to Zombie Flesh Eaters by Fulci. But I think that he evolved the zombies. And I think that's a really good thing. I The, the cast is the downer for me. There's a few great characters but Simon Baker is the lead. Asia could have been a lot more in this movie. No, I'm not biased. And what, what else has I, he done? I forget now. I, I've seen him in stuff. I've uh, seen him in a couple of things, and he did that TV show. Yeah, the no, uh, what was it? The Mentalist. Yeah, with Robin's Honey. And there you go. That's what I've seen. He was I in. Um, he was in the Devil. Um, the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, I've seen that more than once. <laughs> and he was in this one that honestly looked really, really interesting. I can't remember the name of it. He was somehow got involved in this ritualistic murder. The premise, great. Simon Baker, Wonder Bread. <laughs> Completely sucked all the character out of the movie. But like I said, it's the 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 waste of Asia. The uselessness of Simon Baker. I love, love, love John Leguizamo. Loved Dennis Hopper. Loved Robert Joy. Loved Pillsbury. But the cast just kind of brings it down a few notches for me. So I'm at about a six. It's fun. There are better zombie movies out there. But if you want some gore, give it a watch. And at least appreciate that he has evolved the zombies. So, yeah, I'm at a six. See, I didn't mention what you were talking about, them evolving the zombies. I mean, I get the idea of them mimicking the humans, but for as far as them thinking on their own, they are brain dead. So it's not like they can learn new things as far as, you know, let's, let's, make, let's make conscious decisions on let's kill it, you know, let's, which humans you want to kill, you know. Well, I mean, I think it's it's not... 
Give me a second. I, no, I get, I get what you're saying. It's just it's one of those things where I, I, I can't believe, you know, it is a movie after all, but scientifically that that would happen, you know. No, but I mean, I guess it, I don't think it's more of a they're evolving. I think they're just learning to mimic or having some kind of reflection. I'm listening. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, you know, they can't be completely brain dead. Because if they were brain dead, it wouldn't matter to destroy the brain. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. They never really mentioned their brain dead all the way. Uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll keep my own thoughts to it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean, I didn't no, mean to do yeah, that. No, 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 I didn't mean to mess with you. You guys can shut me down all you want to. I don't care. It's just, uh, I talk out of my ass constantly. But me, myself, I enjoyed it. Like I said, much, much more to rewatch than I ever, ever thought I would. Um, great chemistry between some characters, not amongst other ones. Um, it gets, I'm with Irish with that seven. I, I, I have to watch it, you know. I heard there's a great Scream Factory Blu-ray of it where they have both versions of the film and they have lots of new goodies on there. I've uh, met Eugene Clark, the one who plays Big Daddy, a couple of times. And he's always a joy to talk to and to meet. He's very friendly. And uh, that's one of George's favorite zombies. He, I, I've been to a couple of George Romero panels and he's... um. He always speaks fondly that he that that's a that's a character he uh, loves probably as much as Bub, and uh, they give him a lot to do in this movie as far as the character goes, and he's just an angry dude. <laughs> if you ever look carefully at a bottle of zombie dust, it does look like Big Daddy. Yeah, yeah, I gotta look again. I gotta get some more of that 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 zombie dust beer. Uh, that's, that's oh, I'll send you a picture. That is that is the pride of Northwest Indiana people. That Three Floyd's Brewery. It's it's here for for you guys to come visit one day. And uh, yeah, I've I've got uh, four yum yums left in the fridge that I am guarding with my life. They make a they make a beer called Zombie Dust, which when it, when it comes out, it it goes pretty fast. So if you ever make it out here, or if I make it out here, maybe I'll uh, send you a sixer as a prize for for a special giveaway one time. You guys could uh, enjoy it as much as we do. Um, don't try winning because I'm going to rig the contest in my favor, so just stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm more partial to Gumball Head myself, but but uh, beers aside, I'll, um, <laughs> we'll kick it on to our next film, which is Kevin Costner t- talking to, <coughs> to ghosts and shit, and uh, feel the dreams right for this. Come on, baby, and eat the rich. Come on, baby, and eat the rich. 
what you want Is that the meat you wanted to eat? How would you ever know? Hash browns and bacon strips I love the way that you lick your lips No fooling, I can see it drooling Feel the hunger glow something totally illogical. That's what I like about If you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. If you build what, who will come? Inside. I hate it when that happens. Me too. Ray is. <laughs> I think I know what if you build it, he will come means. Ooh, why do I not think this is such a good thing? Daddy, there's a man up there on your lawn.
What do you think? You look real to me. Hi. You couldn't see it. This is really interesting. You believed in the magic. It happened. Isn't that enough? Annie, it's more than that. I feel it as strongly as I've ever felt anything in my life. There's a reason. Go the distance. Did you hear the voice, too? Did you hear it? Go the distance. Yes. Our grave is dead. He died in 1972. Are you Moonlight Graham? No one's called me Moonlight Graham in 50 years. Unbelievable. It's more than that. It's perfect. You build a baseball field in the middle of nowhere, and you sit here and you stare at nothing. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster. Sometimes, when you believe the impossible, the incredible comes true. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams from 1989. Plot synopsis is this. An Iowa corn farmer, hearing voices, interprets them as a command to build a baseball diamond in his fields. He does, and the 1919 Chicago White Sox come. Yeah, there's a little more to it than that, but whatever. Fucking filthy hippies. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, It stars Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, Gabby Hoffman, Ray Liotta, Timothy Busfield, James Earl Jones, Burt Lancaster, Frank Whaley, and some other folks. I'm, I'm a big Frank Whaley fan, actually, because I've seen that Career Opportunities film way too many times. Pulp um, Fiction. Uh, Pulp Fiction, too, but he's... Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I, uh, I have opinions about this movie, but I'm going to kick it to Suzanne first and uh, ask her what she thought about it. Okay, just so everybody knows, I am a huge sports movie fan i love 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 sports movies i had never seen this one because from the previews i saw when it came out and yes i was around when it came out uh it just looked a little too uh touchy feely and heavy fantasy for me so this was a first time watch for me i'm not a big kevin costner fan but kevin costner does good sports I mean, you take a look at Bull Durham and for love of the game. I mean, they're just just amazing, fantastic movies. This one, I, I really went into this thinking I'm just going to hate it. It's going to suck. I was sucked in from the first two minutes. I, 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 I felt for the family. He had to have this dream. And it was, and you, spoilers, trying to reconnect with a part of his past and just a, a love. I 
I, I oh my, I'm trying not to gush. I'm, I'm really, I'm really trying. But there are things in the movie. Okay, when Timothy Busfield toward the end, more spoilers, knocks his daughter off the bleachers. Why the hell did he not punch him in the face? Would somebody answer that question for me? <laughs> because that is the one part of the movie that I just wanted to turn it off because that particular thing just made me so angry. To, to be fair, it is, it is Gabby Hoffman. I've hated everything she's in except for Uncle Buck. So there, there you go. Her, her role in the movie. Oh, no, she was good in Uncle Buck. I love, and there I love was this her Uncle one, Buck. There was this one coming-of-age girl movie that she was in, too, that was actually kind of good, and I don't, can't... Don't bring up now and then, because that's a Thora Birch thing, and, you know, it's... it's... Oh, you hate Thora Birch. Oh, I don't man. like Thora Birch, either. She is useless. <laughs> but, I mean, the movie is... It, it's it's not terrible. I watch it when I have the flu. It's probably the only time I can stomach it. Oh, yeah. But I will say one thing about this movie, and I'm never, ever going to be happy with you again, Gary... I cried. I got a big lump in my throat, and I sobbed for a solid 30 minutes. Was it the very end? Because, you know... Oh, yes! And you know it was the very end. Oh, you forgot James Earl Jones. I threw him in there. Oh, did you? I'm sorry. But, yeah, it was... It's definitely... It's a good sports movie. It tugs on the heartstrings more than I usually care to enjoy. Because, well, you know the rule, don't you? Hmm? I don't know. Do I? Uh, if it makes me cry, I won't watch it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I really really enjoyed this. I, I just I I, I don't want to. If, if I keep talking, I mean I'm pretty much going to do the entire movie. But James Earl Jones was just a, a just a delight. I really can't come up with any other word. He's so crusty at first, and seeing Burt Lancaster once again, I didn't cry, but I felt like I was because how long he this had to have been one of his his last movie, second to last. What was his last one? His last one was an Italian movie um, with uh, Olivia Hussey called okay. The Jeweler. Oh shit! I forgot about that one. But yeah, I it just seeing him. And, I, you know, I, I love old movies. I loved watching him back in his prime. But it's just seeing him old but still has that, I guess, swagger. Well, there's Once plenty again. of swagger in that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's still, it, it, it just, I, I felt it. It's, it, I, it made me cry. It was very well written. It was well put together. Frank Wally was absolutely adorable. And when he has to leave baseball to tend to the little girl, once again, big knot in my throat. Didn't cry yet, but big knot in my throat. It's a fantastic movie. That's pretty much, I'm, I'm done. Okay. Uh, Iris. Oh, um, this is weird, but this is the first time I watched this movie too. <laughs> Because I am not a Costner fan at all. Not at all. The only Costner movie that I somewhat enjoyed is the one where he plays the the social the, the psychopath. Oh, Mr. Brooks? <laughs> yes. Underrated. I haven't it's seen good. that one because I don't Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of Kevin Costner movies unless he does sports movies. Yeah, well, watch this one because he plays a really good so, a psychopath, too. Um, 
But um, just watching it, it, it does, you kind of get invested in the characters. Not necessarily his, but I was totally invested in um, James Earl Jones's character. Terrence Mann. Yeah, Terrence Mann. Um, and when he gives that speech at the end or where he's saying they'll come, I mean, the only thing that has stayed true is baseball. You know, baseball's what's marking time because, you know, that's the only thing that that's the constant. I'm like, oh, this motherfucker's dead. He's dead. That's why his that's why his son couldn't get hold of him because he's dead. <laughs> and then <laughs> when they invite him to you know go into the field, I'm like, yep, he's dead. He's dead. That's why. That's why. But um, I and, and it kind of leaves it up in the air for him. Do you, is he really dead or or is he alive? Being that he got invited into the field because when um, you know um. Uh, God, I can't even remember the guy's name. Uh, Ray. When Ray says, well, hey, I built this thing. You know, why can't I go? And he's like, you're not invited. I'm like, yeah, see, because you're alive. <laughs> but I don't know. I kind of got stuck on that. But this movie is is just a movie basically about, about dreams. It was, you know, a dream of wishes and how the baseball players helped him and he helped the baseball players. And for him to be able to see his dad at his prime, I think that's that's what kind of got me all teary-eyed too. Um, yeah, it it was a good movie. Um, probably not gonna see it again, but I did really like a lot of the characters, like um, James Earl Jones and um, and of course Burt Lancaster. Um, hold on, you guys. For some reason, I don't know why my throat's being like this. Uh, must be the meds I'm taking. Uh, so, Burt Lancaster's character, I don't care how old that man was, when he steps on the screen, he commands it. Um, doesn't matter if he's just walking by, whatever. This guy comes on, and you're you're completely wrapped with this guy. You give him his whole attention, and he does this still at that age. <laughs> Always amazes me. And then, of course, there's Frank Whaley playing Archie Graham, the younger Doctor or Moonlight Graham. He was really cute too because he knows once he steps off that field, he can't go back, but he got his wish. Therefore, he knows first and foremost, he is a doctor. And that was just a wish a kid had. So he got his kid wish and went and helped uh, Karen. So, um, yeah, it was a great movie. And I really, I enjoyed it, but. Probably not going to go back to it, you know, just because probably because somebody go, hey, you know, have you seen this movie here? Sit and watch it with me. But not not just on my own. Gotcha. Uh, this is three for three. Uh, this is one that came out when I was a kid, but I, I could care less about it as a kid because it came out when I was like eight years old. And there was other stuff to watch when I was eight years old. that wasn't Field the Dream. So I never actually caught but bits and pieces of this on TV. Um... <laughs> I think for a person who doesn't like Kevin Costner movies, this is a great one to watch because everybody else in the film pretty much outshines Kevin Costner. He, he, even Timothy Busfield outshines Kevin Costner in this movie. I mean, he's got that, that whimsy to him, like, you know, but let, let, let's follow the clues and let's go do this, go collect these people. But besides that, I, I think that 
the 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 black socks are pretty good. The well, the white the the white socks. You know the nineteen nineteen shoeless Joe and everybody. You know, although they were a little. If you watch Eight Men Out and you read books about that that team, that they were a bunch of money grubbing assholes. You know that that collected a paycheck to, to throw the World Series, and they seemed a little too uh, jaunty and jolly for me. You know, although I'm glad I'm always see, glad to see where Art Lafleur shows up in things. If you don't know who that character actor is, he was in the Trancer series, and he played Babe Ruth in the Sandlot. Again, another connection. Art LaFleur and James Earl Jones are both in the Sandlot, which I think is the gold standard of baseball films for me. There's a lot of them out there, but none of them I go back to more than the Sandlot. Um, uh, they just seemed a little like, yeah, we're really good, but if you watch like Eight Men Out and you see, like, Rooker, like, hamming it up, like, be, being a prick. Like, yeah, that that was that team, with the exception of Shoeless Joe, who didn't take the bribes and didn't want to throw the World Series, but his, his other teammates were all in. But the fact that they all got to come back and have a play again on this baseball field that he he built, and alternate title for this film, by the way, I Sacrificed My Mortgage to He Who Walks Behind the Rose, because um, that's pretty much what he did. He... <laughs> He he spent all of his savings to to build this baseball field that may or may not have amounted to anything, but it did because it it allowed him to get some closure. Where you know the the end of this film, the film is about as old as I am. So the the one part that made made Suzanne cry for half an hour was at the very end. They they, they say they tell Kevin Costner's character that he can't come with them into the cornfield to, to go to the great baseball beyond i guess because he has one last thing to do which is hey look there's my father and the just just the simple line of do you want to have a catch with this this man that was you know the mother died when he was young so he claimed that the father did the best he could which meant the father was kind of a dickhead and of course kevin costner and amy madigan were, were, were hippies and i'm sure the father wasn't a fan of that but so they never really had that, that closeness, but the fact that his father came back and <clears throat> they were able to have that moment together, and uh, that's what made Suzanne cry. I, I was a little little weak for myself too, but it's not it's not like the end of the Green Mile sad for me. It's just like a nice touching moment for me, you know. I I, I get sad when I watch Viva La Bam because um, Don Vito and Phil and, and and Uncle 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 Don Vito and Bam's father Phil. Remind me, my father, if his personalities were split up. So it's really hard for me to watch Viva La Bam on, on MTV. And um, th- that that's what makes me sad. You know, stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> but the film itself, it's, it's, it's a little... It, it, like like um, like Suzanne said, it's, it's a little far-fetched as far as fantasy goes. But you got, again, if you, just much like in the film, if you, if you don't believe it, you know, you're not going to see it. And that was a big point of this film where... Timothy Busfield couldn't see the, them playing because he didn't quite, he wasn't quite invested in Kevin Costner's crazy, but not crazy. But, um, yeah, James Earl, James Earl Jones was real fine in the movie. He was just being James Earl Jones. Um, if you've seen him in stuff, you know what I'm talking about. He plays almost the same character and everything, but with, with a little bit of different swagger. And, uh, Burt Lancaster, who's an actor I've watched since I was, God... Young, young, because my grandmother used to make used to watch those, used to make me watch those old Burt Lancaster movies. But now I I enjoy them a lot more as an adult. So the fact that he came in there and he still has that that same Burt Lancaster swagger, even as an old man, just commanding the screen and 
you don't see a lot of him in the film, but he he when he shows up, it it, it really adds something to it. So everything everybody adds something to this movie, and that, that's what makes it kind of special. Uh, I really hated the 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 part where he's riding on the um, the corn cutter with his daughter, talking about how great Ty Cobb was. I was like, well, Ty Cobb wasn't that great of a person. He was a good ball player, but he was a real miserable human being, and he was a jerk to everybody. But the fact that Shoeless Joe comes and said, "Yeah, we didn't bring Ty Kawas. We hated the guy we played with him." It's like, yeah, that kind of gives it a little, little something, something because Ty Cobb was not a nice person, and he shouldn't be celebrated as a human being, but a hell of a ball player. Although he did slide into base with his cleats up a lot, trying to hurt people, and that's that's not good. And uh, <clears throat> but um, Feel the Dreams, not my favorite Costner. Uh, um. Suzanne mentioned it, that belongs to Bull Durham as far as baseball. I mean, Kevin Costner for me goes, I can't discount Tim Cup as, either, but that's uh, that's part of the Ron Shelton uh, echelon as well, which I, I love everything that guy's ever made because <coughs> he writes and directs so well. Um, but this is this is, this is good enough. I, it was, like I said, first time watch, and I, I may, I'm just like Iris. I may go back to watch it again. I may not. It depends on say, hey, you want to watch Field of Dreams? And I, that conversation may never come up ever again. But if I'm feeling frisky, I might turn it on one day. But um, that's uh, about my take on it. Uh, if you build it, he who, walked the, he who walks behind the rose will come and, and kill all the adults and leave the children to their own volition. No, not really, though. Not in this movie. <laughs> Gabby Hoffman sucks. No. <laughs> it's, it's sad to say a child sucks and stuff, but she sucks in so many things. But, um... I'll kick it to Suzanne and ask her, is there anything else she'd like to say about Field of Dreams? And what is her rating, 1 to 10? Suzanne. Iris? Um, let's see. I'm going to give this uh, I'm going to give this a 5. Because I'm real meh about it. Fair I mean, enough. there's there's a lot of good stuff on there, but meh. <laughs> I'm real meh about it, too, actually. You know, and, uh, Oh, I was on mute. I'm That's sorry. That's okay. Suzanne's back with us. <laughs> Final thoughts. You did it, Jamie. <laughs> Final thoughts. <laughs> of what is your rating, Suzanne? No, Iris can go and let Iris continue. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I'm I, I pretty much done. It's it's like meh for me, so it's gonna be a five. Okay. I'm I, the only other thing I wanted to mention. I can't believe I was on. I forgot I was on mute. Um, uh, Ray Liotta, I. The first thing I ever remember seeing Ray Liotta in was Goodfellas. And I, I really don't know what the timeline is, but uh, put Ray Liotta. I really wish it was a tighter uniform because he was really well built back then. But anyway, besides the point, it was it was a decent movie. I really I enjoyed watching it. But because it made me cry, I'll never watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I, I, I did enjoy the story. It was it was just it was it was a nice little fantasy story and i'm pretty much i'm i i'm at a, like a seven and a half seven seven and a half uh myself enjoyed it enough uh not to go right back to it again to say you know whatever uh it's it's, it's definitely not middle of the road but it's, it's at a six it's 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 decent enough to watch you get a lot out of your actors and uh, that's always important in a film like this, that the actors keep you in it. Especially veterans like James Earl Jones and Burt Lancaster, because 
just added them to the mix which made made the it, it, it gave the it turned the film from a four to a six in my opinion. If those those guys were in the film that you you, you would have had a, a much lower quality movie. So kudos to the filmmaker to go find those great brilliant actors to be in your film. And uh yeah, it's a six out of ten. We'll be right back with the one review that you guys have all been waiting for. Um <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which should be uh, Xanadu. You're funny. Yeah, well, I've been waiting to do this film since we started the damn show, and uh, I'm I'm, wait, I'm I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. But we are going to oh, be wow. here here in Xanadu right after this. The Wiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while Rock and roll was being born Marijuana we would scorn So down on the corner the national pastime went on trial We're talking baseball Klazuski, Campanella Talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller The scooter, the barber and the nuke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially with Mickey and the Duke Well, Casey was winning Hank Aaron was beginning One Robbie going out, one coming in Kiner and Midget Goodell The Thumper and Mel Parnell And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington I'm talking baseball Klazuski, Campanella Talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller the scooter, the barber, and the duke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially Willie Mickey and the duke Now my old friend, the bachelor Well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid And Cookie played hooky To go and see the duke me, I always loved Willie Mann Those were the days Well now it's the 80s And Brett is the greatest And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Rose is at the vet Rusty again is a Met And the great Alexander is pitching again In Washington I'm talking like Reggie Grease and Barry talking baseball Carew and Gaylord Perry Seaver, Garvey, Schmidt and by the blue If Cooperstown is calling, it's no fluke They'll be with Willie Mickey and the Duke It was Willie, Mickey and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey. I'm talking Willie, Mickey and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey. Willie, Mickey and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey, say.
Hey, Paul, what I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request, make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing and we have a backstory and, but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks. and Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what about, I like it. Maybe instead of, you know, doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe Ooh. he can, you know, just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think, I, I mean, I, we might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like, like Robert England and you know sure, just, sure. just all kinds of actors and and I think people will do that I think sure why not well you know what? I don't know maybe we're overthinking this whole thing how about if we just tell people where to find us I like that you can find us at who will survive on iTunes Stitcher on the Legion podcast network and on the raw live and unedited podcasting network also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name oh wait can we do it underwater oh, with piranhas killing me that would kind of be brutal and if that doesn't work then you can do the regular promo all right well just get in the water and i'll go get some fish all right cool open your eyes and hear the magic Universal Pictures announces the most dazzling romantic musical fantasy in years. Xanadu. Starring Olivia Newton-John. Michael Beck. And Gene Kelly. It's a love story about a boy and girl from two very different worlds whom no one can keep apart. It's a spectacular entertainment that will transport you beyond your dreams. Xanadu, where time stops and the magic never ends. Xanadu. Xanadu from the year of my birth, 1980. Uh, a struggling artist living in Los Angeles meets a girl who may hold the key to his happiness. Lame plot synopsis, but this stars uh, the the ever prevalent in my in my loins and in my heart, uh, Libby Newton John as Kira. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gene Kelly as Danny McGuire, Michael Beck as Sonny Malone. There's some other folks here. Sandal Bergman shows up as one of the muses. I'm not going to go deep into this, though, but um, as far as cast goes, because 
Those are the only three you care about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it to Iris first and ask her what she thought of this this glorious film. Oh man. I got to see this at the Dollar Theater when I was a kid. <laughs> and um at the time I thought this was a great movie because I was in love with Olivia Newton John. And I had uh yeah, by by the time it was at the Dollar Theater, I had seen Sandal in other movies. So when I recognized her as the muse, it just made this movie even better because not only was she a badass fighter, but she could dance too. And of course, you know, with all the skating and stuff, you know, that's what I did as a kid too. You know, we went to the skating rink and we had disco music and we were all out there doing our little cool moves on our skates so this movie pretty much embodied everything in my pre-teen years that i um thoroughly enjoyed um watching it as an adult i'm like what the fuck (laughs) what the hell (laughs) what am i watching i mean the music's great a lot i recognize a lot of the music you know and and really good but I have to say that the only thing saving this movie for me from getting something less than a five is the last number which is everybody on the skates and they're all doing like these rollerball moves and yeah (laughs) that's lots of fun Uh, Michael Beck in this is kind of I've seen him in other stuff, and this is the most wooden. This, this guy's a Pinocchio in this. He is so wooden. Um, but, of course, you know, Olivia Newton-John, that's who you focus on. And, and you focus on Gene Kelly. Again, another guy from, from Hollywood's Golden Age, when he is on, I expect him to either be dancing, singing, or swooning the, you know, the lead girl. And um, we don't see much of the swooning, but... You do get some of the dancing, and it's great. And to see him on, on skates, awesome. Um, so I, I had forgotten a lot of this movie. And um, just to see some of the stuff that I did as a kid with all the weird hair and the colors and the the jumpsuits and belts everywhere. I mean, like, oh, my God, what was wrong with us? Why did we dress that way? <laughs> so many zippers, so many zippers. So many zippers. I mean, how do you, you know really where to go? With that, oh my gosh, you know, but <laughs> it it was it was fun to watch. And like I said, that last number is that last number is what makes the movie. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> to me, if Olivia Newton John was the same muse for Danny, if Kara was the same muse for Danny back then, and she disappears. Which is the same use for Sonny. How would you feel <laughs> being Danny that the girl that you were totally gaga over that just disappears on you is now courting some other guy well, that you're kind of connected to? I don't know. I'd have a hard time. <laughs> I would cut an asshole. The, the, this film is based on de- deja vu, basically. Like, he, he, he has a feeling that that's her, but he's unsure. Yeah. But at the same time, he has that that l- l- lament moment where he 
he realizes that he's past his prime and that that, that it's somebody else's turn now kind of deal. And That's pretty fucked up. Well, he's <laughs> old, girl, you know? I know, but still, you know, to me, I would have been like, this shit. That's my girl. You can get away from her. Um, but anyway. Um, I true. have kitchen knives. I can do yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, um, it... it well, some of the numbers got a little too long for me, and and the cartoon sequence was like, okay. Well, it was no bed knobs and broomsticks. I'm gonna talk. About yeah, that. exactly, <laughs> bed knobs and broomsticks. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, as a kid, I can see why you really, really enjoyed this. Um, but yeah, just revisiting it again, it just doesn't hold up as much love for me. That's my two cents. Fair enough. Suzanne wanted to go last, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here right in this Xanadu sandwich and talk about what I love about Xanadu and not just Livy Newton John. No, that that's that's up there because if, if you if you Google Xanadu Gene Kelly, you'll see some of the most the, it wins the internet. You'll see the most some of the most adorable pictures, like like <laughs> crush shots of, of Gene Kelly and Livy Newton John. You know, it's it's pretty adorable, but um. Yeah, Gene Kelly, you know, again, another one of those actors that I've seen a bunch because my grandmother would make me watch these old musicals when I was a kid, and I didn't appreciate them as much now as I do, and then, I mean, as much as I do now, because Gene Kelly, even in his 80s, in this film, and this is his, I think it was, I think it's not the last film, was pretty close, but he's, um, he's, he's just having a good time. I mean... I think I needed the the words Gene Kelly shopping montage in my vocabulary, but you know what? <laughs> I kind of do. I kind of do. Because they make it kind of magical in that Xanadu, man. It's good stuff. And I have a friend who was on the very first episode of the show. He's like, he's like, I, I know you love Xanadu, but I'm afraid to watch it. I was like, dude, because my friend smokes weed, you know, full disclosure. <laughs> and I said, dude, just light up a J. And when them bitches start coming out of the wall, just just like you just stare at your joint and say, "What the fuck's going on with this movie, man?" Because when that ELO kicks in, that's yep. that's when I'm fully invested. When ELO kicks in, and then ELO doesn't stop, because then you just get some some great ELO songs in there. You get "Don't Walk Away," you get "I'm Alive." If you get the album version of Xanadu, you get their version of Xanadu all by themselves. Um, there, there's there's tons. Uh, but <laughs> and then you go into Don Bluth animation, which is has my heart again because it's really dumb that they went into this Don Bluth animation in this film. But the fact that it is Don Bluth animation just makes me eat it up because it's kind of there. And uh Michael Beck, I haven't talked to him about that. I haven't met him yet, and I, I want to so we can talk about the Warriors and how much I love Xanadu as well. But it, this isn't his worst performance. That that belongs to Megaforce, which is <laughs> which is so bad, but it's awesome. But he does like a Texas uh, accent in that movie, which is pretty terrible. And um, the boss, we throw that bodysuit, man. That's spectacular. And the headband, the quaff. Okay, I'm talking about Living in John now, and as well you should, because in this film, this is the most. This is better than Greece to me. Because you get be- much better Olivia Newton John's film than you ever did in that movie. And I, I know you're saying, hey, the songs are better in Greece. No, I agree the songs are better in Greece 2 than Greece 1. Because I'm, I'm that guy that, that, that thinks that Greece 2 is better than Greece 1 by, by, by a mile. And um, 
But, um, yeah, she, she's great. As I was mentioning, the last scene where, where Xanadu is up and running, and Gene Kelly's just leading the pack of those skaters, and I want to say you have a lot of the breakdancing troops that, that were popular back in there. I think the Rocksteady crew were in there. But they were With all the zoot suiters. Yeah, Ooh, they yeah. were all in that scene together, and it's like they collected all these people to be in this one scene, this final scene where uh, she comes out of the ground like a spire and just starts belting out that Xanadu song. The the, the Zen, well, this is like a medley in this scene because all of a sudden she's in this delicious looking white dress with these leg warmers. They just some kind of cowboy garb doing shit, and it's really stupid, but I just don't care. Because it's just it's just a lot of flashing lights and, and awesomeness and and uh, I I love I love the fact that it, and, and it's, it, it's a real simple premise if you haven't seen it before I, I really didn't explain it all that well Michael Beck is a, is an artist for hire who who wants to go be inspired and do stuff on his own so he meets this this random girl who who kisses him on the street. And this random girl is not a random girl at all. She's one of Zeus's seven seven daughters, one of his one of his muses. And all the other muses come out of, of the wall in that great "I'm Alive" number, where they're all just glowing and it's spectacular. And she's there to inspire him inadvertently, until of course she reveals herself and says, we, "We guess what? We can't be together because I'm only allowed to give you one thing, and this is your one thing to to." do my job as a muse and inspire you, but guess what? You still want to bed down with me. And then you get that really, that really, I guess that really necessary scene where you, he goes to go visit Zeus inside the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. He skates, he skates through the wall like he's going to Hogwarts or some shit like that. And Yeah, but I think Hogwarts stole that. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. <laughs> so I'm talking to you, J.K. Rowling. Uh, you stole that shit, man. I'm really... I think you need to write some checks to, to Xanadu. And, um... Yeah, he, of course, he, he... He he talks Zeus's old lady into letting Kira give him one last show. Which is the the end. Kira disappears, but she shows up again. And, of, of course, they're in the, the shadows. So they have to assume they're going to be together. And, yeah. <laughs> she, she gives up her immortality for hipster artist Sonny Malone. And that's and that's fine. That's what you want out of a film like this. Oh, and one thing I forgot to mention, um, the part where it's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, where Gene Kelly is having his um, his old school, you know, USO, you know, fantasy with, with Kira, because sexy even a long even in a long skirt, sexy army garb, Olivia Newton John is the sexiest she is in this movie, in a. That, that that does it for me in in more ways than one, and um, I love it. I love the whole experience of this movie. It's it's like close to two hours long, and if I had to take any goofy part out of the film, I I I'd say the part where Sonny is trying to convince Danny that modern music is the best, but Danny's trying to convince Sonny that old school music is the best, and of course they mash them together, and it still sounds really shitty. So, take that scene out, and I think you got something, something even more magical. But I'm gonna kick it to Suzanne because she has opinions. She says, and take it away, Suzanne. Okay, I just have like two little stories. Actually, it might just be one, but we'll see what happens. I just had like uh, 
half a bottle of wine. So anyway, um, I remember seeing this when I was a kid. And this was back in the day of 45s. And we went to the, we went to the, the kind of the department store and they sold 45s. And I saw Olivia Newton-John. I'm like, oh my God, I have to have Xanadu. I love that song. And I threw a hissy fit because all they had was magic. I'm sure my mother, <laughs> I'm sure my mother remembers it, but she's like, oh no, it, it, we'll find it for you eventually. Well, I'll, I'll get you this because, well, my mom was kind of a pushover sometimes. And I was absolutely devastated. I went into this movie just wanting to just be, I I just wanted to be irritated with it the whole time. And as I'm starting to hate on it and trying to get that whole Olivia Newton-John shit out of my head, I'm like, oh my God, yellow. What? Great. Now you're making it impossible for me to hate this. And I, I love Michael Beck, but damn, I have seen wooden statues that had more feeling than Michael Beck in this movie. See, Pinocchio, I'm serious. He was. I mean, I really started picturing him as his character in Warriors, just to try to give myself just a little bit of a thrill. But he was... And I... Sorry, I I completely derailed there for a minute. God damn it, Cabernet. (laughs) But... I, I love the music in the movie. I hate to admit it. Gene Kelly was as cute as he could have possibly been in this movie. He looked like there were a few scenes that he was just like, I would really rather be anywhere but here. But overall, he was so cute. I didn't even recognize Sandal Bergman in this movie at all. I can't even picture a scene that she was in. The The, the one scene that I really thought was just way too long is when they did the mashup between the new and the old. Yes, that's my least favorite part of the movie. Is that right there? It's it just it I found it just to be irritating as hell. And like I said, I did love ELO's music because it gave it just that kind of cosmic quality. That's the only way I can think of it. And I mean I posted this on Facebook and I was really surprised how many of my friends were like, oh my God, I love this movie. I think this movie has a lot more love than hate. I bumped into one of my friends Saturday night when I was out and he had just picked up a stack of Olivia Newton-John vinyl because he, everybody had like the the first chub to Olivia Newton-John, I'm beginning to think. Mm -hmm. Not me, but pretty close. (laughs) But it, I, I, I can see it. I, I think I have a little more appreciation for it since, I mean, I, I haven't seen this since I was at least eight or nine years old. I think I have a little bit more appreciation for it because a lot of people that his opinions are respect and a couple of musicians whose opinions I respect were just gushing about the movie. I just don't think my mother's ever going to forget that freaking Xanadu temper tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it was. It's not a great movie. It's an entertaining movie, and I have a feeling if I've got the right amount of Cabernet Sauvignon in me, I'll probably get drunk, watch it, and sing it again. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. I don't need booze to enjoy Zandy. By the way, I just I just cheer it on, girl. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my no, god. I watched it completely sober. Okay. Maybe that was no. the problem. 
Actually, no, that's a lie. I had like three beers while I was watching it. Well, actually, that's sober for me. Oh, man. I'm going to kick a diarist. I'm going to ask her anything she else like, did she like to say about the film. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and what is her rating? Let's see. Um, again, cannot believe we used to dress that way. Um, uh, I'm going to give this a... Uh, oh, man. All right, that that last that last uh, that last number kicks it up to a six for me. Cool, Sue. Oh, it was definitely. Uh, it was it was like rewatching it for the first time, being an adult, and the the music. Most of the music is really good, yellow. But I have to admit, when I started listening to Magic and Xanadu, I still remembered all the words. I can't remember why I went in the kitchen. But I still remember the words to Magic and Xanadu. So it's, I'll give it a, just just for because. I'm going to give it a seven. Cool. Um, I don't even have nostalgia for this film. I, I saw it way later. So my, my rating has nothing to do with nostalgia. Uh, but, um, and by the way, Iris, I love that you guys used to dress like that because nothing turns me on more than crimped hair when in. <laughs> Oh, and I'm sorry. I, I have to m- mention this. Not uh, you know mentioning Chubbs, those tight little shorts. I mean, it left nothing to the imagination about Michael Beck. No, nope. just wanted to say. Well, it's not worth. Yeah, than- he should have left the little the the the, the boy shorts at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least they were tight enough that you could tell what religion he was. Smuggling, yes. Smuggling plums. <laughs> smuggling plums. <laughs> and I also was that, that kid at the roller rink on, it was Friday night I used to go. I'd, I'd go hang out with my friend after school because she lived like two blocks away from it. And my mother always let me go because she would pick me up at like 10 o'clock. I would go home and sleep like the dead for at least 12 hours. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Uh, I went to the roller rink. I didn't know how to skate, but they had that Simpsons arcade game there. So I pumped all the quarters into that thing. <laughs> all right. Played the fuck out of that game. That that X Men, that epic X Men arcade game. Um, but yeah, I I, I think that the, that fashion is amazing because it still gets me going. You know, the, I blame my love for crimped hair on Lee on on, uh, on Leah Thompson from Howard the Duck because that. That was my first, that was my first job was was Leah Thompson and Howard the Duck. I didn't I didn't tell her I didn't tell her this when I met her, but you know yeah, I, I was pretty flabbergasted when, when I met her. Oh, that's a well, good that's thing. Not something that you share. <laughs> no. She like security. She could tell that that infatuation was there though because I was I was quite flabbergasted when I met her, and um, but Olivia Newton John that 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 white dress at the end. Really, really does it every time in the the army, the army dress, and that's pretty great. I love I love the scene where they're dancing together, her and Gene Kelly. I, did, I didn't mention how amazing past, how sexy the dress was. That, that them dancing together, just see that they were having like the best time in the whole movie. And um, there's a lot of respect there. You could tell about Gene Gene Kelly being this this god god of cinema, you know, as far as these films go. And I, I didn't see the boredom. I, I thought he was having a real good time, but this is getting an eight and a half out of me because I really, uh, really dug it. Yeah, it's by rating an eight point five uh, out of ten. Just I just, I just, wow. I just love it that that much. And 
I watch. I know this movie just makes you spew joy. I, I watch it at least like five times. <laughs> Literally. Like, I, I watch like yeah, yeah, that kind of joy. I don't. I, I, I've never, I've never, I've never done that though to to Xanadu, but I, I guess my, my heart, my heart is full as well as the as, as as well as the blood to my penis sometimes. But you know, I've never. <laughs> I never, I never pulled the trigger on literally on on Xanadu in that way. But I watch, I, I watch it a good five times a year, though. It's 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 up there where you just yeah, you got those movies you turn on when you want to feel good after you had like a shitty day. Uh, I'll just turn on Xanadu and have have a good time with it. And yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. And uh, but um, that's about it for this one. Xanadu, uh, take off our roller skates now. And we're going to come back and uh, talk about some dead folks and close out the show. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. Doms and subs, masters, mistresses, and slaves, owners and pets, daddies, mommies, and littles, primals and prey, switches, heathens, Kinksters and deviants, welcome to Legion After Dark. Legion After Dark is a movie review podcast with a kinky twist. I'm your host, Lady M, and every episode I'll be reviewing a movie with a BDSM or kink theme. I'll also be talking about books, sex toys, bondage equipment, all the fun things that make life grand. I'll be featuring a different kink each episode, and I'll even give you a song to scene to. So join us on Legion After Dark, coming soon to Legion Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Cinema Beef Podcast, and we uh, are going to have our, our, our untitled death segment until I come up with something new, rather than pick on old Stanley. But um, we had some some pretty heavy hitters uh, pass on us this time around, and uh, it's amazing it's amazing what can happen in a week, who, who you can lose, and these are some pretty some pretty big ones in my humble opinion. Uh, first up on on the the chopping block, if you will. Which that could be a great second, great title for this segment actually, <laughs> the shopping block. But um, is acclaimed uh, director, God, God director, uh, Milos Forman passed away. Um, if you guys don't know his name, if you guys know his work, because this is the guy that made One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and The People vs. Larry Flint, and Man on the Moon, and he's just uh, th- those three films alone uh, c- keep me uh. 
keep me in it because this is a guy that didn't make he made he was like Kubrick he only made films like every like six or seven years when he was doing it he was in his career and uh if you haven't seen Cuckoo's Nest you're doing a disservice to yourself because this this is one that everybody should watch because there's not a bad performance in it at all even the the, the cast even the, the minor character Michael Berryman um shows up in that movie and he gave a really uh, touching thing to talk about Beelish Foreman and how he gave him his start and how uh, how great it was to work with him. He shows up in there. Brad Dorff shows up in there. Of course, Jack Nicholson is your star. But everybody gives a much better performance because Milos was was the director. And uh, I'm gonna kick it to Iris first and ask her uh, what she thought about this great guy, great, great man. Oh man, um, what's the the Cuckoo's Nest? It's another movie I remember watching in the movie theater and I was pretty young um, but I think um, of course this is probably the most iconic um, part of the movie or, or, or scene is when Indian when uh, what, what's his name Indian Joe I, I forget his, goes, yeah something like that he goes and uh, grabs that that sink that you know um Jack's character had said, I bet you, you can't pick that thing up. Yeah. And he does. And he throws it through the window and he escapes after he sees, you know, Jack's character come back, you know, basically a, an idiot because of the, uh, the, the shock the therapy. Well, I thought it was like shock therapy that they had they done to him. But I, think, it, but I think they may have lobotomized him. I forget. Yeah, they, they end that. up. I think they do end up. Um, lobotomizing him because he did have that that's kind of like a black eye look to him mm-hmm. when he sees that he's like oh because to him he was the the one person that treated him like a person and if he was gone he was like I'm done with this place so yeah it, all of his movies all of Milos' movies I think that I've watched have always been um you know, there, there's always this, that, that one scene that just sticks with you. And it's, yeah, I'm kind of really bummed that the guy is gone. But you know what? He he, he left us a good legacy of movies, so, you know, I, pretty I, cool. I, he's done one thing that I can say. He made me feel sorry for, for Courtney Love. And when she's all... when she's all aged out towards the end of People vs. Larry Flint, and she's all fucked yeah. up. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't. It, it it makes me feel bad for for Courtney Love, and I've never said that to this day that I felt bad for Courtney Love. And I know it's a character she's playing on the screen, but um, that that ending that she mentioned, a cuckoo's nest, that that's what makes me cry because when he sees, yeah, but he has to put the pillow over his face, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, there's nothing left, so he wouldn't want to live. So that that's that's what he did to him, and that's that that was a real. Man, every time, every time, every time, um, you see the scene after Brad Dorf is in the in the room with the whore, and she, <coughs> she she makes him feel so terrible about himself, and that's that everything everything in Cuckoo's Nest is gold. Every every yeah, character, I mean, and, and it's because of Milo. Milos is why it's so great. Yeah, I mean, you have people like Danny DeVito and Scatman Carruthers, <coughs> Louise Fletcher. How could you not love this movie? And, and to bring all these people together 
and have them play the parts that they do, it, it's it's really amazing. I mean, unknowns. Un- most of them were unknowns at the time, you know. Oh, yeah. But I don't think anybody ever knew what in an ensemble cast that movie ended up being. No, I don't think anybody really knew what they were going to be or, or where they were going to get to. So, uh, yeah, and of course, you, you've got Amadeus, Hair. Man on the Moon. love Hair, Man on the Moon. I forgot to mention Amadeus, yeah, but Soliari, man, that guy's a... Ephraim Abraham's a real piece of shit in that movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he plays such a good... He's a good... Oh, he is... Good oh, yeah. Shit, you know. Which I, I didn't see. I didn't see Amadeus for a long time. But mm. I, so I never got the joke in Last Action Hero where the kid goes, "That's the guy that killed Mozart," you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you poor young thing. Right. Yeah. And Ragtime. You can't forget about Ragtime. That's another beautiful movie of Amer- of Americana. You know. I haven't seen that, and I I need to go back and revisit that for. For Foreman, because that is, I remember watching it. It just, it, it was over my head at the time. Mm-hmm. Moses, Moses Gunn. I mean, you've got such great people in this movie. Uh, James Cagney's was in it, and it was good. Cagney's one of those, Cagney's one of those actors that I, 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 I heard his voice plenty. But I never watched a Cagney movie for a long, long time. Then I seen it. I was like, "How does this guy believable as a heavy? He's just a fucking midget, you know, with this voice, you know." Oh no, he's a heavy. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was the baddest of the bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. But yeah, that that's that's me on, on Milos. Uh, it's it's. I'm sad, but I'm happy that we have all these movies, so we can we can remind ourselves what an amazing man he was. I'm glad of his body of work. He yeah. didn't just sell out to find, make a couple of movies and you can do what you want. No, he made his movies. And I think that is what I appreciate most about his legacy is this movie has a meaning. There is, there was a heart and soul involved. Agreed. Man. Oh, who else? We we lost one today that was a, a pretty big prick one pretty big one to me. Um, Harry Anderson, uh, you're you're judge of the circuit court. Uh, Harry Stone from from Night Court, and he's in he was on Dave's World. A lot of TV, but I think one of the shining points of, of everybody's love is uh, Night Court and his role on Cheers. But he's uh, also a part of my favorite um, Tales of the Crypts ever, where he plays a cartoonist for the Tales of the Crypt comic book and his creations would come to life and kill people. Yeah, that's oh, a good one. A great episode. It's <laughs> a, one of the, the standout episodes of that show. And, uh, of course, he played... He's the second best part of that the Stephen King's original miniseries uh, where he plays the adult Richie Tozier. Um, no, he was... There's No one is ever going to be able to top that. And um, yeah, he's he's a, he's a loss to me because I, I didn't watch a I watched a lot of I guess you would call adult sitcoms back in the day. I was an avid Murphy Brown fan, and uh, I watched a, a whole lot of Night Court because that was one of the best ensembles on TV, in my opinion. And even today, uh, John Larroquette, Marsha Warfield, um, Richard Mole, uh, him, 
Marky Post, who I still have an insane crush on. Goddamn Marky Post. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. I still think Dan Fielding is one of the most lecherous. I would fuck him in a heartbeat characters ever. <laughs> I would have been one of those chicks in the elevator. <laughs> who, was, who, was the, who was the black guy in Night Court? I forget his name. The black... Um, uh, Mac. Uh, uh, oh, the actor's name it's... escapes me like crazy. I, I forget now. He was a great character. I could have told you five minutes ago what his name was, yes. but I can't. It, it's something Robinson. But he was just always so fucking cool to me. You know, like, like he's the judge, but he's the cool judge. He's like, yeah, this is kind of dope. And you watch it now, and they're still really, really fucking funny. You know, because they all are great character actors who work together. That is that is the DC cab of of of, of uh, sitcoms in the eighties, and great character actors all rolled into one. But I'm oh, not, I grew up. I grew up watching Night Court on Thursday Night TV. Judge Harry Stone. I started watching it again, and the thing that bugged me about it is I, the messages just were so heavy handed. But I mean, it was—it's Harry. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it, it kind of softened the blow of that heavy-handedness, you know. <laughs> but um, Iris, what do, you, what do you think about Mr. Harry Anderson? Dude, I, I've been—it's kind of like you guys. I I watched, you know, Night Court quite a bit, and um, Mac—he's uh, Charles Robinson. I had Robinson right. Yeah, yeah, the Char- the, the the Robinson right. Um, it was. It it was a funny show, and um, it was hard-hitting. It was kind of like a slap in the face, but it was also very telling of the times, um, of what was going on. Um, so it, it's kind of like a, a little time capsule of going back to watching these and kind of re- reminding yourself where we as a society were. And um, <laughs> it was also intelligence. And it was. It was an intelligence. It's show. not this dumbass shit that they that passes for television now. There's a handful of good shows, but I mean, there was. It was. It was smart. Yeah, it was smart, and um, I don't know. I kind of miss shows like this. <laughs> I really do. Because uh, right now, yeah, for me, the only TV I watch is, is stuff on Terrible Life Choices and, or TLC. <laughs> uh, oh, they remember. They remember. That's about it. <laughs> but, I like watching people play with sharp objects and fire. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you know. So you, and you tattoo watch, machines. Yes. So you watch ID and Discover. <laughs> And Spike TV, yeah. you know, I'm sure. And Spike TV, I'm right. I'm sure she enjoys uh, John Tappert yelling at folks on Bar Rescue as much as I do, you know. But, yeah, it's it's sad to see. And he, he wrote quite a few books. Uh, he was a very funny guy. A very good comedian. So, yeah, it's a bummer to see him leave, too. Definitely, definitely. And, uh... First the last one. This is like Gary's childhood dying on this episode, and not not all the way, but a few you know, on this thing have really really hit me. Uh, one one more indeed would be uh, Gunnery Sergeant of your United States Marine Corps, Mister Arlie Ermey, uh, passed away. Not only was he an actual Marine who who served at, in, in Vietnam for fourteen months and uh, became a um, a staff sergeant after that. He's a great actor too. He's a great character actor uh, who got got starts in like Apocalypse Now. 
You've seen him, of course, in Full Metal Jacket. Um, the Frighteners. The Frighteners as well, playing basically the same character he played in Full Metal Jacket, but yelling at dead people. Uh, one of my favorites, Saving Silverman. I, I think it's hilarious he's in that movie. And uh, this is going to be a bold statement, but I think he outshines Borgnine as Willard's boss in that remake. <laughs> pretty great that fucking movie. I haven't watched the remake, but you know the reason why. It's an excellent piece of shit in that movie, though, Suzanne. You gotta see it because. Am I just gonna? Am I gonna have to like watch it on mute until nope. he's on screen? Because let me tell you why you should watch it. Crispin Glover and him are pretty great in that movie. If you if you can't believe that Crispin Glover can can outdo anything that those original films have ever done, the putting those two together are, are pretty pretty excellent. I've seen the original ones, and I'm I am unimpressed compared to the remake because they they took everything and they they churned it up, and I think it's I think it's awesome, you know. And one of these days, when I'm either lethargic or seem to watch stuff I don't want to watch when I have the flu because I don't care if I fall asleep. <laughs> If he shows up in a lot of things, I think he has like 75 acting credits, and I've watched his show on the History Channel. I did too. Well, I, I I loved it. I, I loved his personality. Well, I loved. What's it called again? I, I somebody at Lock and Load or something like that, or no, it's Mail Call. Oh, ma- mail, mail Call. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I mail watched call. Mail Call a ton when it was on the History Channel, and uh, always interesting, always over the top. I've known people that have met him in appearances. And I've heard a story from a friend of mine that some dude was giving Gunny some shit, and he was like 67 years old at the time, and he stretched this motherfucker like you wouldn't believe. He put him in like an arm bar. This tough-ass Marine motherfucker, 67 years old, can beat the shit out of anybody on the street, and that just amazes me. Yeah, it's a Marine, always a Marine. (laughs) Yeah, did you ever see Buzz Aldrin lay out that fucking obnoxious-ass wannabe reporter? That's a... That's pretty great. Yeah, I've seen that video. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, he just, and, and dude just falls. And Buzz, I think, was in his mid to late sixties. So yeah, once uh, I mean, you have to be a pretty strong ass dude to be a, an astronaut. Mm-hmm. But you, you don't fuck with a marine. Yeah. Ever. I mean, you yeah. wouldn't fuck with an eighty-year-old marine because that fucker would kick your eighteen-year-old ass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not only yes, indeed, semper fi, man. I hope you're you're at them pearly gates, just hanging out, being a being a real a real gent up there. Because not only is he a great actor, he's a he's a great American and and a patriot, and he was always all about his country, even you know in the the dankest of times, which we're in right now, I'm sure he was still, you know, all about, you know, America, if, if you will. I haven't, I haven't spoken to him personally. That's one of those ones that I'll never meet now, and it kind of makes me sad. But um, it's important that, you know, he's, he's uh, is a man that, that loves his country, and that's, uh, that's in short supply nowadays. It's, it's, it's hard to love our country sometimes. Yeah, fucking yeah. libtard. Not all liberals are libtards, but the ones who are so milky white and can't leave their mama's basement these people just need to be killed uh, who was it oh <laughs> Uvi Vol <laughs> just- oh yeah I know he had a you see, there was another boxing match <laughs> blasted Alex Jones on Twitter is one of the best things you'll ever read <laughs> you, know? you know I'm not a fan of his movies and I have to admit I am stupid enough that I would go jump in the ring with him <laughs> but I mean I'm 
I just don't like his style. Man. But it, he he does what he does, and you know he's obviously getting paid to do it. Uh-huh. And seeing these little lamp-wristed, not seeing the sun in sixteen years, guys go get in the ring. It just is fucking hilarious. Mm. I am a really horrible person. No, you're, no, you're not. <laughs> you're opinionated, like everybody else's fucking country. That's fine, you know. I mean, yeah, there's that, and uh, yada yada yada. I got one more because this this smashed my childhood because it was pretty. It was pretty important, not as an actor, but as a cinematographer. Uh, Ralph, Ralph Woolsey, um, he he was cinematographer on It Takes a Thief and uh, lots of other TV shows back in those days. Maverick, Seventy Seven, Sunset Strip. Uh, but Mr. Rogers, that's one of them that, that hit me pretty hard. But, um, he, it was... Oh my god, he was, what, 104? 104, but this is the guy who gave Batman the, the 66 version his look. And that was my first glimpse of the Cape Crusader, so that makes it pretty goddamn special to me. And w- without him, you wouldn't have had that great colorful, colorful Warhol look that you would have had to, to Batman and... I don't think I would like it as much. Even even watching it today, where they're, they're in beautiful. If you guys own that that Batman sixty six Blu ray set, I'd recommend running out to go buy it because. Well, he he also did one of my favorite cop dramas from the seventies, and you know my love for cop dramas, mm-hmm. the New Centurions. Oh, cool. I mean, it had just a a grit to it. It was it was stark. I mean, when George C. Scott is talking. It's the entire universe gets swallowed up. <laughs> if you haven't bought that, pulled the trigger on that Batman uh, series Blu-ray yet, what what they did to it makes his work look all that much better because they made him look so fucking pr- even prettier. They're so bright and the colors are so bright. You could see that that mustache that Cesar Romero refused to shave for the show. It just sticks out of that white makeup like nobody's business. But um. Yeah, I remember as, as a little boy, 3 o'clock in the afternoon after school, just sitting down to watch that two-part Batman episode, and my, my eyes getting about 10 feet wide. I don't, remember, I don't have many memories of, a ch- of childhood, except for, you know, my Knight Rider Big Wheel and stuff like that, but, <laughs> which was the best toy ever I ever had. Cause it t- I, I really, really, when I come visit, I'm, I'm going to hope that your mom has pictures of you on your Knight Rider big wheel. Well, they, they do not exist, okay? So, so you're, you're not going to get that. But um, it, Are you sure? You could take me anywhere, let's put it that way, you know? <laughs> um, but that Batman series, I mean, even, even, I know folks who show it to their children, and, you know, these kids grew up with, like, the more grittier Batman and, you know, yada, 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 but you can't help but but sit there and whimsy at, of those guys and those colorful characters and them just, you know, beating the mess out of random bad guys and, and skull caps and stuff. But the whole look of the show was 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 amplified but by this guy's work. And uh, for that reason, 104 years old, I, I salute you, man, because that, that uh, I'm not sure if he did Green Hornet too, but Green Hornet was pretty great too. But just, um, yeah. Batman sixty six man I I don't I don't need to say anything else about it Iris uh, what do you got to say girl Well um, Victor's introduction to Batman was 
with Batman 1966 mm-hmm. um, as an itty bit. Nicely uh, done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to do this right. Um, when he was I don't know, about maybe a year and a half, two, um, we had to put the movie, the Batman movie, on our watch list because any time that he knew that he was going to be able to get to watch some TV, that's what he wanted to watch. He wanted to watch Batman. I'm like, all right, well, let's do this, dude. And he is the reason why I have the box set because he still enjoys to watch them. He likes the the Lego Batman, and I think there's a good correlation because they're both kind of goofy, you know, kind of arrogant. I'm smarter than you guys. Condiment King, our... son. Condiment King. <laughs> right? <laughs> so he likes both those characters, and um, he's watched also the other Batman movies, but he always comes back to these, and I it just makes me so happy inside. And um, it's a, you know, I did not know that um, Woolsey had done the cinematography for that, or for any of these other movies so and uh, TV series so I'm gonna have to look into his uh, into his his work and see what else I can garner from him and maybe show the little man yeah I want to go back and revisit some episodes of 77 Sunset Strip uh, readily available there actually just uh, you know some stuff gets pushed to DVD and some stuff doesn't I'm not sure if that ever has that's a shame uh-huh. you know but um, that's that's it for the deaths. Unless you guys think about anybody else that you could you could think of that uh passed on in the time we uh. No. It's a pretty full list though. I think for this show, it's uh. Yeah, it was a it was a lot of loss in a few short days. Yeah. But um, that's that's the end of this one pretty much. But I'm gonna kick it to Iris, and ask her to uh pimp her stuff right now. All right. Well, let me pimp this out. Uh, of course, we have BB and BC. Uh, we are planning to do Zombie Lake, and we'll be recording that on the 28th of this month, so it'll be available on the 29th. And uh, let's see, we also have um, the Weekend War, uh, Weekend Wars, Theme Warriors, sorry, I was, I'm staring at, at Lee, uh, Arlie Emery's uh, <laughs> picture here, and I'm like, Weekend Warrior, no, um, Theme Warriors. I believe that is out now. So you just go look for us at um, um, legionpodcasts.com and just search for us there. And for BBNBC, of course, with Mike, uh, we are at bbnbcpodcast.com. Cool. Uh, Suzanne. Yeah, shortlist at recording NFW tomorrow. Not sure what the pick of the week is going to be. There is no Friday the 13th episode because time just got away from us. Mm-hmm. And I do believe dropping tomorrow will be my birthday movie, yeah, Doghouse. Doghouse. I was so bummed you couldn't make it for Doghouse. I, I had to go to the germ house and uh, put a bunch of little kids running around there for the three-year-old's birthday. And that, that, was, uh, that was necessary, I guess. Yeah. You would have had way more fun. You totally would have had more oh, fun. Oh, I would have, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much about all I've got coming up. Um, this show, uh, you will not hear Iris on the next one because she's gonna come on with 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 us uh, twice a month because obligations and whatnot, and that's fine, you know. But um, that's uh, that's available on Legion Podcast as well as two different commentaries. 
which the next one you should hear should be the Shockma episode, which should come out on the same day that this drops. So if you want to hear Willis laughing about monkeys, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the way to go, man, because Shockma hates doors, son, and he gets mad at those doors. Um, that's coming. Um, you got both to be found at legionpodcast.com, amongst other great shows. Uh, new promo is coming. I'm writing it currently at the moment, a little 30-second spot for us all to get together and record. So hopefully your podcatchers will uh, catch those and you guys can, can listen to our, our new promo, which I, I, I promise can be maybe funny but probably mediocre. So ch- check that out. Because <laughs> you know? I haven't done a new one since I started the show. And that's that's shameful, but I'm lazy. So, But I'm trying to be less than lazy by putting these shows out every week. So I hope you guys are... Are digging those, and uh, hopefully we're not oversaturating your podcasting feed. If not, uh, go listen to another two and a half hour show, man. Ugh, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, Twitter at GW, Twitter at Cinebeefcast. I don't have a fleas and flicks auction update because it's still early yet. Because we're only doing one in the winter time this time around, and um, hopefully we'll get a better reception than the last one. Which I, I, by the time this is recorded, I will have your stuff sent out to you, uh, Jerry Cortez, Court Psyops, and and our our pal Nudie from the NFW podcast. Ooh, excuse me. Um, that's about it for this one. Next up, you will hear hopefully uh, Mike White uh, from the Projection Booth podcast when we cover two Jim Brown movies, which is I Escaped from Devil's Island and the the, the Slams in an episode entitled. I escaped with I, I I think it's I escaped with Jim Brown. All I got was this lousy T-shirt. I think that's the episode. Name of the episode. Um, but after that, uh, so Iris can be here as well, and Jamie can be here as well. We'll have a full crew because this is a full-on crossover. We'll be doing Rolling Vengeance and the Wraith with the the whole crew from the Horror Mafia podcast. And uh, Woo-hoo! yeah, those guys are great. Ch- find their show on the Horrorphilia Network. Um, I listen every week because they're 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 a fun combo. <laughs> Couple, couple of good guineas in there, just talking shit and with their antipast and all that good stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other Maniac episode is pretty stellar. You guys should check that out because they had uh the the brother or the was it the brother? No, the the nephew to Joe Spinell was on the show, who was also in the original Maniac movie, and he told some stories about his uncle and stuff. And I think it's pretty great because you you won't get that as like a Blu-ray extra, so. Uh, check that out on the Horror Philly Network, the Horror Mafia podcast. Um, yeah, shows on our network, Hail Ming, Podcast of the Stairs, Hello, This is the Doom Show, just put out a brand new episode. Um, there, there's tons, guys. Just just go go support Legion. I'll never ask for a Patreon unless, you know, I say, okay, folks, here's a Patreon to, to maybe help Bo get us more more exposure on, on the interwebs or whatnot. That's the only thing I'd ever ask from you guys. If you guys ever want to donate anything, send money to Bo. Because Bo, uh, I'd imagine any, any bit helps for us to get more exposure. As far as Legion goes, from what I heard, downloads are up. So, I'm not sure about in this show, but shows in all the shows on the network, uh, the downloads are up. So, if you guys listen to this on the regular Legion feed or listen to any of the Legion shows, uh, thank you for that. Because, you know, any, anything helps. Uh, iTunes reviews. Oh, app, Apple Podcast reviews. I'm sorry. Go rate and review any show that we're on. And uh, that'll help us g- get up there and, uh, and uh, make folks make fo- expose ourselves to people. Like like we all love to do. 
we love to expose ourselves to people. You know, I'll, I'll use it in really gross terms. But again, I'm rambling. But um, we'll see you guys all next time on the Simple Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. Bye-bye.
Dieto 